check, 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 and we are good to go. All right. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another episode. I'm Henry. I'm just kidding. You already know who this is. Welcome, my friends, to the Daniel Teachers Experience. I'm your host. Folks, we've got a bunch of cool stuff to talk about, but first and foremost, we have to talk about what happened last night. Vasily Lomachenko versus Teofimo Lopez. Now, folks, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a huge boxing fan. And what I mean by that is I'm a fan of the sport, but I'm not a diehard fan, you know, like the same way I am for the MMA world. So I know a lot less going into it. But man, this was one to watch. These are the biggest takeaways, right? You're going in there and this whole mentality was both of these guys, the story was both of them have their father as their head trainer. So it was this beautiful, you know, father and son story going into it and you've got the brash young guy and, and Lopez, 23 years old, trying to shock the world against the pro, against the, the veteran, against the guy who's supposedly the pound for pound best in Vasily Lomachenko. And guys, the, the lead up to this was all, Lomachenko's gonna eat this kid alive was all, you know, Lopez's dad was saying all kinds of things like, you know, my son's gonna knock you out and he's gonna do this and do that and, and all this stuff. And a lot of people were making fun of him because they were saying, yeah, for sure, dude, you're out of your mind. Yeah, you've, you've been drinking a little bit too much. You know, who do you think you are? And Lomachenko's response to, to that kind of a talk up was like, all right, man, let's see if you can walk the walk. You can talk, but let's see what happens when we step into the ring. Man, so this is what happens, right? Nobody's expecting Lopez to win. The round begins and man, Vasily, almost didn't even throw a single punch until I want to say the last 60 seconds. The last 60 seconds, maybe last 90 seconds. It was unbelievable. He's just going backwards, doing his thing, his footwork, keeping distance, and Tio was pushing forward. He's pushing forward, he's throwing the jab, even though he wasn't landing it every single time. He's still keeping distance and he's saying, hey man, I can touch you. He's distracting him, he's pushing him forward, he's giving him something to think about. So just in terms of pushing forward aggression, um, you know, applying the pressure, Lopez walks through with the first round. Now, everybody, including myself, is thinking, all right, Vasily Lomachenko, he took that round, he's studying his opponent, he's calculating it, totally makes sense. Second round, Lomachenko comes more alive. Now he's, he's thrown back. Now, not only does he, you know, parry and dodge some of Lopez's advances, but he throws back on his own side. He gives him a couple of counter shots, a few very good hooks, a few good uppercuts that were very, very well done. And the second round, I would say, most people would agree, would go to Lomachenko. Now, this is the crazy part. Round three, four. Five, all went to Lopez. Guys, this is exactly what happened. Lomachenko continues to do rounds three, four, five, the same way he did round one. Barely offensive, just back. Now, mind you, he wasn't getting hit cleanly. I don't want to give you this false perception that it was a... Excuse me, sir. We're talking about Lomachenko here. The fight was on fire. Get it? That's why That's why they're showing up, because it, it was a crazy fight. So, as I was saying, Lomas, man, he's not doing anything crazy. He's not getting hit, but, but he's, he's not, it, it, it doesn't look like he's, he's pushing forward. He's not being the aggressor. He's just taking shots. But unlike Floyd Mayweather, he's not taking a shot and then making you pay for it. He's not making you think twice about coming in. He's just allowing all this onslaught. And at first you're thinking, all right, well, you know, he's doing this to calculate Lopez's moves. He wants Lopez to ran, run out of gas, right? We've seen that in the Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather fight. Conor does extremely well, wins a couple of rounds. I don't care what you say, but he won a couple of rounds against arguably the GOAT. But then it gets gassed out, right? Because when you put out that much uh, output, eventually, man, it's just it's going to have its way with you, with your endurance. And Lopez did this so perfectly, guys. If I, if you can only go back and watch the fight was, he would throw a shot. He would throw a shot. And then if you could get Lo, uh, Lomachenko in the corner or in the, 
just against the ropes. His go-to for throwing combos of two or three shots were to the body. So he'd be jab, 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 nonstop. And then when Loma gets against the ropes, subconsciously his arms come up. When his arms come up, man, the body's free for the taking. Pop, hooks to the body, uppercuts to the body, straights to the body. Really, really, really well done by, uh, by Lopez, man. If you want to take a guy out from in terms of endurance-wise, you want to hurt the breathing, he was doing an excellent thing. Keep him occupied up top with the jab, throw a right hand just so he, uh, he, he, he respects you, he respects your power. But when he had openings, he really went down to the body and that threw Loma off. And get this, his output was so perfect in the sense where he'd throw just enough to make Loma work, land one good shot, and then he'd stop. He could have put his foot on the gas, but he didn't. He just did enough so he could land cleanly on Loma without going in there, you know, like a bat out of hell throwing hands. Because then, you know, the more you overreach and you put yourself out there, the more liable you are to getting hit with a counter shot. So he didn't, he didn't overdo it. And I was so impressed by the mentality of the 23 year old to throw. He clearly stuck to the game plan. He was composed, he pushed forward the whole time, but he didn't overdo it. You see so many guys go in there and they try to knock the guy out. Mm -mm. He went in there, man. He threw one, two, got up against the ropes, maybe one or two shots to the stomach, and then he waited. He never overcommitted, thus saving his gas for the later rounds. Now, guys, we go to round seven. At this point, I'm like, Jesus, man. In the last six rounds, Lomas won one of them. Like, this, this is unbelievable. He's basically, the horrible thing about waiting back and letting the guy gas out is you are giving away rounds, so you better bring it back in. Now, Lomo, he, he came alive round seven, eight, nine, and 10. He started doing a lot better. And many people online would say Loma won those rounds. I myself, I don't think so. I can confidently say that Loma won the second round for sure. He won the 11th round for sure. But man, round seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, he definitely did better than beforehand. He definitely came alive. But was it enough to have beaten Lopez? Was it enough for me to say, you know what, man? Yeah, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, I would give those to Loma. Because the scorecards were all over the place afterwards. But anyways, a lot of people might disagree with me. They'll say, no, Daniel, it's a lot closer than you think. And that's fine. Um, that's not a hill I'm willing to die on. We could talk about it. I'm sure you could change my mind, right? Here's the thing. We finish round 11, we go into round 12. Nobody's thinking Lopez is going to win this now. Nobody. Like, not a single person. Everyone's like, dude, um, Lopez has got this in the bag. The only way is if the judges screw him over and maybe a, a draw or something. Or if something's going to happen, the only way Loma can win this is by knockout or knockdown. Going to round 12, man. And here's the thing. Lopez's dad tells him, hey man, you got this. Just box, just cruise, just chill. And when round 12 started, this young man, this 23-year-old marched forward as if he was losing the fight. His mentality when he could have sat back, he pushed forward as if someone had told him, hey man, you're losing the fight. You have to win this round. He pushes forward, man. Him and Loma, it's back and forth. They're throwing shots. He even gets this nasty cut on his eyebrow. Like if you want to talk about who wants it more in that, in that killer mentality and pushing it when, it when it really matters, you know, those last seconds, man, I, it's, you cannot praise this young man enough at the age of 23. He gave it to him. And at the very end, it was the result that I think was deserved. It was justified. I, I, I haven't heard of anyone go against it. Lopez is the first ever uh, four belt champion. Four belt champion in boxing, having all those bad boys. I'm not even gonna try to name all of them for you because I forget, because that's how much knowledge I have in the boxing world, but, but he has them all at the age of 23 years old. Did he deserve the victory, man? In my opinion, a thousand percent. You're gonna hear people say he deserved the victory. You're gonna say, hey man, it might've been a draw, but I don't think you're gonna find anyone saying it, it was Loma's night, man. It just, it wasn't. It absolutely wasn't. It was brilliantly done by Lopez, really well planned, good executed. This is what happened.
He had a good game plan. He was fast. He had power. He had excellent endurance. He showed he can take shots. I mean, he outboxed him. He outboxed him. Matter of fact, that was it. You go back, watch the fight, man. Oh, you know, Loma wasn't ready, or man, he was just waiting. Brother, you half the fight is over. We're in round six. What are you waiting for? You know what I mean? Lomachenko, man, unbelievably amazing fighter. But that night belonged to Mr. Lopez. What did you think? Did you see the fight? If so, man, let me know. Comment, DM, all the good stuff, man. Let me know what did you think about Lopez versus Lomachenko. Man, now that we got that stuff out of the way, because that was cool. Like my my inner like like fighter martial artist fan was like, yo, talk about that, talk about that. Uh, just just to base it off that, folks. Sometimes you're gonna find yourself in situations where you're gonna hear this voice, and this voice is gonna start to tell you, hey man, you're tired. Hey man, stop going. Don't don't go anymore, man. Take it easy. Relax. Don't push forward. And and it's it's in these times you gotta tell that voice to shut up, and you gotta keep moving. Right? Because what happens is, man, that voice is weakness. That voice is your human instinct trying to find the easiest path, right? You're, you're like water in a river. You're just trying to figure out the easiest path of survival to keep you alive. Now, the problem with that, the reason because problematic is people listen to their feelings. And I know this sounds so counterintuitive, but hear me out, right? I haven't gone swimming in like six months, half a year, right? So anyone who knows me knows that swimming is my go-to exercise. Cardio, I love it, it's wonderful. I went swimming again a couple weeks ago for the first time in half a year. And I'm swimming a bunch of laps, man. And, I, and I'm about, I don't know, dude, 14 lengths in. Or let's say, yeah, let's say 14 lengths in, 15 lengths in. Each length is 25 meters. And I remember thinking to myself, man, like, I'm done. I'm done. My, my arms, they feel too tired. I can barely bring them up. My shoulders are so stiff. Man, my legs are, are almost going numb. I feel like my heart's about to beat out of my chest. I swallow water once or twice, man, I'm done. I can't keep going. And then I remember I got to the end, I looked up, and they told me, all right, Daniel, you got two laps to go. You got four lengths to go. You got another 100 meters to swim. My mind was like, dude, I might pass out. I can't go anymore. And guess what happened? Guess what happened? Two and a half, three minutes later, I finished another 100 meters. So I'm sitting out there on the pool deck going, I was so sure I was done. My, my mind, my body, everything told me I was done. Then you can't go anymore, Dan. You're too tired. Man, your shoulders are stiff. Man, your legs are going numb. Brother, your, your heart's about to beat out of your chest. But, but I, I did it anyways. You know, I still push forward. Regardless, I told that voice to shut up. And then when I did it, it was this real wake-up call of how many times in life, and not just for me, but for your perspective too, how many times in life have you heard that voice go, hey man, you can't do it. Hey man, you're not good enough. Hey man, you're too tired, stop. Hey man, get out of here, go, go do something else. And you stop. But basing it off the example I just gave you, you know that you could have gone farther. Isn't that crazy? Because I feel like the dialogue is so much like, hey man, oh, you know, listen to your feelings and be in tune with your body. And I, my body straight up lied to me. It said I was done. And here I am swimming 100 meters extra. I don't know what your takeaway is, but my takeaway is, man, when my voice tells me I'm done, I'm not done. When my voice tells me I'm done, I don't want to put a percentage on it, man, but it might be 50%, it might be 70%. But I know I'm not done. I know I still have a little bit more in the gas tank. And I know this might sound like dangerous advice, but that's what, what it was for my case. I swear to God. So now I look back at all the times I've been studying for two, three hours. I'm like, you know what, man? I'm done. I'm getting tired. Like, am I really? Am I really tired? 
Because just because that voice in my head tells me I'm tired, that doesn't mean I'm tired. I decide when I get tired. Now I realize that sounds like a crazy narrative, but, but I, I'm telling you folks, it's, you know, it's so fascinating when you have people, because listen, we're all humans, right? We all have to sleep, we all have to eat, we all need to breathe, that's on the table, that's understandable. But when it gets fascinating is when people can push themselves to limits that we did not think the human body or mind was capable of. That's when things get fascinating. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you David Goggins. I present to you Jocko Willink. I present to you any person who has ever done a great feat that was, that was thought to be uh, not possible. Right? Even could be as, as, as crazy as just some dude swimming in the Arctic Ocean. It's, it's ice. It's, it's freezing. How does he not get hypothermia? He's in there just swimming, doing breaststroke. Hey, Sandy. Like, it, like what? Is that not crazy? So when you realize that, man, it, it immediately made me doubt all my decisions. Now, when I'm sitting there doing homework and I have this feeling of, I'm getting hungry, I should go. I'm like, am I really? Can I wait another 20 minutes until I finish this chapter? That's the problem with listening to your feelings. One of the greatest quotes I've ever heard in my life, I've, I've said it numerous times. Oh man, it was by Jocko Willink. And he said, and I'm going to paraphrase hardcore because it's been a while since I've read this quote. But he said something along the lines of, man, I don't feel like, like he said, this is it. Do I feel like working out? No. Do my feelings get a vote on the matter? No. Do I feel like going to work? Nah, I'd rather just sit home, eat Cheetos and watch TV all day. Does it matter how I feel? No. If it did, then everybody would quit their job, drop out of school, and turn to pleasures in life. It doesn't matter how you feel. It, it doesn't. It really doesn't, man. You, you, gotta, you gotta learn to go against your feelings. Oh, I'll do it when I feel like doing it. Who says anybody gave a damn about how you feel? Why do you put your feelings on a pedestal? Now, folks, I am going to be really careful when I'm saying this. I'm speaking in the context of this discussion. Feelings are important. Yeah, man, that's a different story. But for the context of this discussion, this conversation right now, I don't feel like studying for my test. Okay, so just fail it. I don't feel like putting in the commitment for my relationships. Okay, like, like, like why? Like who cares? I, I do not care how you feel. I do not care how you feel. I, I wanna see the result. And, and I feel like people are so susceptible to robbing themselves of these moments in life and, and these amazing feats of accomplishment because they listen to their feelings. It's absolutely heartbreaking because on one sense, man, it's like, please listen to your feelings, be in tune with yourself. But on the other end, feelings can lie to you. F feelings can, can the, your emotional systems, man, your amygdala, it, it can trigger these, these behaviors that are not wise at all. They are not rational. They are not logical. And, and again, it comes from a place of keeping you safe and it comes from a place of, of survival and looking for the shortcut. But at some point, you have to take a step back and go, you know what? I understand. I feel the way that I do, but... I need to override this feeling right now. I, I understand how I feel. I'm addressing how I feel and based on it, you know what? I think we can override it. You know how like you snooze an alarm for another couple minutes, man? You know what? I gotta eat. Let's do another 10 minutes. Let me finish this chapter. It's, it's absolutely insane, guys. Like uh, you'll find yourself in situations where Another example of mine, uh, maybe days where I'm super tired. I'm like, oh man, I'm so exhausted. I can't do any homework. Then you'll find me working on podcasts for three, three to four hours and just working on designs and logos. And I'm like, Daniel, man, you said you were tired. You just spent three hours and a half doing, you know, editing and this and that. That's not what a tired person does. So, ah, now, it, now it's interesting. 
I'm too tired for homework, but I'm not too tired to do podcasting and stuff. You know, or, or the amount of times I've been reading a chapter, I'm like, dude, there's no way I can read the next chapter. Fast forward 20 minutes, I read the next chapter. So really, man, think about how you feel. Think about how you feel. Think about why you feel the way that you do. And really think about how do I know this is true? How do I know this is true? Because it might not be. And that's okay if it's not. You just have to not lie to yourself. And I think when you can reach an almost higher power inside of yourself, and I'm not trying to get too freaky with the universe and spirituality, man, but when you can just understand, okay, this is why I feel the way that I do. Just because I feel like doing this doesn't mean I 100% have to do it right now. It's taking it as a command that you have to follow at this very moment, as opposed to taking it as a suggestion. Now, mind you, this might be a somewhat dangerous conversation if we're talking about, you know, drugs or alcohol or just getting involved in activities where, you know, there really is a baseline. Your body's telling you to stop and you listen to this advice and you're like, I'm not tired. And you push yourself too much. You know, you overdo it over exhaustion and that can't be good either. You know, but, but the reason why I'm bringing up this conversation is, man, that one gets talked about a lot. Don't overdo it, man. Don't push yourself too much. Don't go to burnout. But let's talk about the other side, man. Let's talk about the other side that you're not actually tired when you think you are. It, it is what it is. Like, that's, that's my two cents on it. That is my two cents on it. Now, folks, when we're talking about where we are in life, right? We're talking about pushing ourselves. We're talking about going to feats that we have not gone to before. Why do we do it? I believe we do it because we are in a constant cycle of improving ourselves. I think that that is a, a giant reason why we have meaning in our lives is that we pursue things, is that we pursue accomplishments, whether to be stronger, whether to be smarter, whether to be better in our relationships, whether it's, it's to be, uh, whether we can give more to the society, to the people around us. We want to improve, right? We want, we're in a state of constant improvement. And I think that is such a healthy way to look at life. Don't get me wrong. We're not in this hamster wheel. I got to get better. You're not sleeping at night. Not like that. But just this very calm and understanding per, understanding mindset of this is who I am. These are all the amazing things I've accomplished. It would be a shame to stop now. Let me take a practical, reasonable step one day at a time to be better than the person I was yesterday. And I really believe if we take that sort of a mindset and we adjust little things, I'm not saying you got to change your whole life around. You got to do all this and that. What if you just say, you know what, for this next week, I'm going to pay a little bit extra attention to my sleep. I'm going to see if I can get seven and a half hours instead of the six I normally get. You know what, man, this week, I'm going to see if I can really have a healthy breakfast. You know, instead of skipping or just having cereal, maybe I can go out of my way to, you know, having something with avocado or something with eggs. And I really do believe, my friends, it's those little seemingly insignificant tasks that we improve and that later turn into our habits, which will absolutely change your life. Now, this is a statement that I know is going to get a lot of backlash from people that I heard by Dr. Jordan Peterson, and I, and I thousand percent agree with him in this context. His statement was this. People say, I'm perfect just the way I am. I'm amazing just the way I am. It's like, no, you're not. You're not perfect just the way you are. Now, again, in this context, and, and to further elaborate on that mindset, I was like, dude, you're not perfect the way you are. To be perfect means you have no flaws. To be perfect means you're satisfied with your way of life and there's no way to, to improve it. It means that, that, that you have reached the capacity for growth, for intelligence, for strength, for, for, for any of your goals. 
when you say you are perfect the way you are man that it's just it's it's well now as i'm saying this out loud i'm thinking well it's like well daniel what if a person has low goals and they reach their goals how about then what if they say yeah i'm perfect just the way i am i'm perfect just like this i have a hardcore nicotine nicotine addiction and i don't talk to my mom anymore but i'm perfect just the way i am like really you're perfect just the way you are I, I don't know, I, I, you know, my immediate mindset is just, dude, you can always be better. You can always improve. You can always improve your relationships. You can improve your, your character. You can learn a new skill. You can learn new knowledge. You can give back to more people. But I do give back. You can give back to even more people. You know, and I can, I can definitely see the pros and cons of both, right? The cons being like, well, Daniel, it's going to get exhausting, man. You're trying to always be better. Why can't you just enjoy life? And that's fair. That's a, that's a fair uh, perspective. But I, I don't know. I just, I do not agree with the mindset. I'm just perfect the way I am. You know, I think that there's just so much more for you to experience, for you to do, for you to learn, for people, for you to impact, people to impact you. That it's like, really? You don't think if you exercise a little bit, you'd be better off? You, you don't think a doctor might say, hey, you know, let's lose a couple pounds. You might be better off. You might be able to live longer. You might be able to see your kids graduate. It's, it's brutal, guys. It's absolutely brutal because what happens is you end up speaking the way that I'm speaking to people who you love and to people who you care for. But oftentimes, man, it's, it, you want to make sure it's never just two heads bump colliding, right? Everyone has a unique perspective and everyone has a unique side. I do not believe in black and white. I believe that there are shades of gray and that there's so many different aspects to a story and the way that you tell it from where you are and how you tell it. And it's important to listen to everybody. It's important to listen to everybody's side, everybody's perspective. But I think, folks, a huge aspect of, you know, when people say I'm perfect the way that I am, my immediate mindset is like, wow, so you have no flaws. You love everything about yourself. You don't have any bad habits. There's no other good habits you want to implement. There's nothing else you could do to be a better human being, to be a better son, to be a better father, to be a better brother, a better classmate, a better coworker. Nothing. You've, you've done it all. Interesting. Now you might say, well, Daniel, who are you to judge someone else? You know, it's it's tough, man, because then we get into this whole story of, and I've done a podcast on this a while back. So, Daniel, don't judge a book by its cover. Uh, actually, that's a pretty good idea. That's a that's a sensation idea. I'll tell you why. Don't judge a book by its cover. Uh, you you see me in a coffee shop. I'm in a bad mood, man. I say something to someone. I walk off. You're like that dude's a jerk, right? I get it, right? You shouldn't judge me off that one interaction because you don't actually know who I am. You know, you got to see me a bunch more times. I totally understand. But the reason why you should judge a book by its cover is, dude, judging is important. Judging in safety situations. You're out at night. You see a group of people walking over your way. They appear to be drunk, slurring. Please judge like your life depends on it. Please judge them. Please judge the situation. If it's not safe, get the hell out of there. As a clinical psychologist or a professional in any occupation, the first thing that you do when you meet a new client is you judge them. You judge their appearance before they open their mouth. Some of you might be like, oh, well, that's not good. We shouldn't do that. Dude, it's just, it's a, it's a fact of life. If you show up, if I'm a, a doctor or a professional and you show up and, and I clearly tell you, you haven't showered and you're wearing, you know, a shirt with a stain on and you don't look too good. Yeah, I'm going to judge that into my later on assessment. Of course, it'd be weird not to. You know, the same way if you show up in a nice dress shirt, and the same way if you show up, you know, and your hair is done and this and that. Guys, it does make a difference. 
I'm not saying you got to go around judging everybody and their mama, but, but this idea of never judge a book by its cover, you know? You're perfect just the way you are. Like, I, I, think, I think it's really important to hear both sides, folks. I, I just, it, it breaks my heart to not just, here's the thing. I hate when, when we, because I talked about there's no black and white, right? So I, I hate it when we put one voice on a pedestal and we silence another. You know, I think, I think as long as we have dialogue and as long as you're listening to people who share ideas that you don't know or that you don't hold, it is so good for you, man. The reason why, here's the thing that happened with the internet that totally effed everybody over. You would think with, with such a such an, uh, like revolutionary um, invention as the internet, you would think, my God, I'm going to have so much access to different knowledge, uh, different histories and cultures and perspectives and, and professors and people from all over the world and you get to learn so much more. But the thing that ended up happening was all these algorithms only show you what you want to see because they worry, let's say I'm a, I'm a Trump supporter, right? You're not a Trump supporter. They worry that if, let's say YouTube shows you my content, you'll see me and you'll click off. Not only will you click off the video, but you'll click off YouTube. That's why they'll show you things that they think you'll like. Oh, Daniel likes MMA, uh, Anderson Silva knockouts, uh, you know, Michael Chandler coming to the UFC, right? They show you, they show you things that, that you like. The huge pro is awesome. You, it's great. What's the problem? The negative is, man, you never hear the other side. And some of you might be like, Daniel, that's amazing. What's the problem with that? I think, my friend, the problem becomes we can pretend like there's no other side. We can pretend that whatever we say is right. If you're a Christian, man, you say, my views of life are right. If you're X, you know, you say, man, my views of life are right. But what happens is you just blind yourself and you pretend that there's no one else who thinks differently. And guess what happens? You go to a party, you go to an event, you're talking to someone, and all of a sudden they start talking, you're thinking, holy smokes, everybody doesn't share the same values that I do. So a huge detriment, man, of internet is actually, you know, showing what you want to see, right? If you're liberal, you're going to see more liberal stuff. If you're conservative, you're going to see more conservative stuff. If you're X, you're going to see more X. And, you know, you might not see the other side, and I think that is so detrimental, man. I think that is so detrimental. I think, I'm not saying you gotta agree with everybody. I'm not saying you, you gotta you know, be on everybody's team. You gotta be a yes man to everybody. But I, I always think people should be allowed to sit at the table. And as long as they're not promoting violence or, or anything harmful in that nature, I believe everybody has the right to be heard. And, and I think for yourself, in order to make a good calculated judgment on a situation and how you wanna move forward, how can you do that when you've only heard one side of the story, right? Don't you think it, there's bigger chances for, for it to be flawed? Rather than at least you hear both and then you make your judgment or your assessment or your calculation, right? So then that totally depends on you, on the person and how you want to, to go forward and how, how you want to push forward that sort of a narrative. Folks, my name's been Daniel. This has been the Daniel Teachers Experience. Thank you so much, my friends. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, I appreciate you unbelievably. If you're watching this on YouTube, thank you so much, folks. Every like, subscribe, comment. I read it all. I appreciate it all. It helps me a lot. Have an amazing, safe day, and take care of yourselves, ladies and gentlemen. Bye-bye.